The Gamecocks haven't gotten off to the best of starts in these football games so far this season, but if they could find a way to do so against the Texas A&M Aggies, could it automatically lead to a victory? I'll discuss that and more today on the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. You are Locked On Gamecocks, your daily podcast on the South Carolina Gamecocks, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Today's show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy. Sign up on underdogfantasy.com with the promo code Locked On and get your first deposit doubled up to $100. Hello, Gamecock Nation, and welcome back to the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, your show for daily headlines and potential storylines on your favorite South Carolina Gamecocks sports teams. I'm your host, Andrew Line, and as always, thank you once again for making the Locked On Gamecocks podcast your first listen or watch every day. We are free and available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts daily. And as I mentioned in the cold open for today's show, the South Carolina Gamecocks have not gotten off to the best of starts against FBS opponents so far this season. And in my opinion, if the Gamecocks are going to end their winless skid against the Texas A&M Aggies, I mentioned it again, the Gamecocks are 0-8 against the Aggies all time. They have never defeated Texas A&M since the series started back in 2014. Against FBS opponents so far this year, the Gamecocks haven't scored more than nine points in the first half of any of those football games. Now, conversely, with the Texas A&M Aggies, when they have played in the second half on defense against FBS opponents, they haven't given up more than seven points in the second half in any of these games, with the exception of their game against Mississippi State from a couple weeks back where they gave up a whopping 24 points in the second half. And I attribute that to being pretty much it being a schematic mismatch for the Texas A&M Aggies, as since Mike Leach joined the SEC back in the 2020 COVID pandemic season, it seems like that Texas A&M just has not been able to do well enough against the Bulldogs since his arrival. So how can the South Carolina Gamecocks get off to a good start? Well, in my opinion, there's a few things that are going to be key for South Carolina. And that first factor is one that's actually already taken place, which is the South Carolina Gamecocks have gotten extra time to prepare for this contest. I want to throw another quick stat for y'all to illustrate what I'm talking about here. In games in which the Gamecocks offense has had nine days or more to prepare under offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield. So we're looking at the Florida game and North Carolina game from last year and the Kentucky game from this year. We're not talking about any week one games. I don't count those in this aspect. When looking at those games where the Gamecocks had extra time to prepare, the Gamecocks averaged 17.3 points in the first half throughout all three of those contests. So South Carolina, clearly, whenever they get a little bit of extra time to sort of refine and reevaluate where things are at, maybe try to, again, toss some stuff out the playbook that clearly is not working, and then try to find some areas where, you know, they're seeing some success, and, you know, maybe try to call some of those plays and concepts a little bit more. Maybe try to find some complementary plays that you can add in with those in order to try to keep a defense a little bit off kilter throughout the course of the football game. 
Marcus Satterfield has caught a lot of flack throughout his short time here in Columbia, and I can understand a decent amount of it from the fans' perspective. But there's at least one area at the minimum where Marcus Satterfield deserves a lot of credit, and that is just how well his offenses seem to do when he has a little bit of extra time to, again, readjust, refine, reevaluate where everything stands with the offense at that current moment and time. So that is one thing that I think is going to help out South Carolina a great deal heading into this football game. Now, admittedly, this might get offset at least a little bit because of the fact that the Texas A&M Aggies also got a bye week this past week. So it'll be interesting to see sort of the chess match that might happen at least at the beginning of this game between offensive coordinator Marcus Satterfield for South Carolina and defensive coordinator DJ Durkin for the Texas A&M Aggies. Now, another factor that I think could help South Carolina get off to a good start in this game is feeding Marshawn Lloyd the football early. I got to be honest. I don't advocate for being, you know, I guess, quote unquote, stubborn on offense too often. I think that one of the great qualities of a lot of offensive coordinators is you got to be able to continue to keep the defensive coaching staff for the opposing team on their toes. You have to be a little bit unpredictable. You cannot just call some of the same plays over and over and over again. And I'm not saying that that is what Marcus Satterfield has done so far this season. I will leave that up to y'all's judgment regarding that aspect. But the point is, you know, there's a reason why you don't see most college football teams just use the same five or six plays over the course of a football game because Football coaches from the opposing sideline are going to adjust based on what you're doing. However, this is going to be one of those games where, in my mind, South Carolina's offensive coaching staff and Marcus Satterfield should be a little bit stubborn in at least this aspect. Give number one the football and try to let him go to work early. Marshawn Lloyd, of course, has emerged a great deal in this offense over the past few weeks. He has had, of course, a career-high game against the Charlotte 49ers and had another solid performance that he followed that up with against the South Carolina State Bulldogs. And then against Kentucky, once again, rushed for over 100 yards. So Marshawn Lloyd has been incredible for this team over the last several weeks and in my eyes right now, he is the most productive player on that offense. So even if AM is loading up the box, which they're not going to do too much of in a 4-2-5 base defense, but even if they got guys pressed up on the line of scrimmage, if they don't have too many defensive backs that are really sitting back in soft zone coverage, I think that you have got to try to let Marshawn Lloyd go out there and eat, to put it in simple terms. Let him go out there, see what maybe he can get established, whether it's the inside running game or maybe if you can get some outside runs established. I talked about it with Joey Ikes over at Locked On Aggies on our crossover show yesterday. I think it's going to be vital for South Carolina to try to establish some sort of perimeter running game if they want to win this game, if they want to really see a lot of success on offense. And the last strategy that I think could help South Carolina get off to a good start in this game against Texas A&M is using some tempo early on in this game. I think that, of course, with this pro-style offense, you're not going to see South Carolina run tempo almost every single play. But I look back to the Arkansas game. When South Carolina was down three scores, you saw a little bit more tempo utilized in the offense. And 
around that same time, you started to see the offense get some more success or see more success against the Razorbacks' defense. Now, does correlation, of course, always equal causation? No, it does not. But in my eyes, when looking at Spencer Rattler, the way he plays at quarterback, and how good this Texas A&M defense is, I think that a wild card factor in this game would be South Carolina's use of tempo on offense. I think that Spencer Rattler has got probably a bigger boom or bust ratio when you are running tempo, but in my eyes, I think that you got to run that a little bit more with Spencer Rattler throughout the rest of this entire season, honestly, and I think it should start with the Texas A&M Aggies. I think that Spencer Rattler being able to go out there, play a little bit more free, of course, calling some more simplified plays with that tempo style on offense, I think that could help him out a great deal. It helps him get off to a better start, helps him build some confidence, and then you can build off of that foundation throughout the rest of the football game. And why is it important for South Carolina to get off to a fast start against the Aggies? Well, the Gamecocks' average point differential against FBS opponents so far this season is plus 11.4 points in the second half alone. So, to put it bluntly, Fans understand that South Carolina can make their adjustments at halftime and can come out in the second half and be a much better football team against the opponent that they're facing on that given Saturday. So if South Carolina could just get off to a better start at the beginning of the game on offense and put together a near-complete four quarters of football on that side of the ball, then South Carolina might not have to worry or sweat too much in this game because, of course, Texas A&M has struggled a lot on offense. And if you have a lot of trust in this defense in front of this home crowd to go out there and make enough plays, then in my opinion, a fast start is vital in order to try and establish more confidence on this offense. So when looking at this game, what could a win do for South Carolina? Would the outlook be even brighter considering the opponents that they're getting ready to face? Could it change their projected win-loss record? Now, I'm going to dive into all of that in just a few moments, but before I do so, I want to let you all know that today's show is brought to you by Underdog Fantasy, the easiest place to spice up your college football season. The games available for the college football pick'em this week are UCLA at Oregon and Washington at California. Now, for me this week, I got two more high-low pick'ems that I am looking at here. With the first one, I'm taking UCLA quarterback Doreen Thompson-Robinson to throw for higher than 263.5 passing yards against the Oregon Ducks, as UCLA has the 25th best passing attack in the country, while Oregon, on the flip side of the coin, has the 19th worst passing defense in the country. I think I'll take those odds every single day of the week. I'm also going to take California wide receiver Jeremiah Hunter to go higher than 64.5 receiving yards against the Washington Huskies, as he's been Mr. Consistent for the Golden Bears this season, surpassing that same mark in five of the six games that he has already played in so far this season. Who would you pick in these college football pick'ems? Sign up with the promo code LOCKEDON in one word, an underdog will double your first deposit up to $100, meaning if you deposit $100, you will get $100 for free. So go to underdogfantasy.com or find the Underdog Fantasy app in the App Store or Google Play Store, depending on which phone you use. That's Underdog Fantasy with the promo code locked on in one word. Get in on the college football pick'em action today.
Welcome back to this Friday edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day. All right, so what would a win against the Texas A&M Aggies mean for the South Carolina Gamecocks? Well, let, before we get into the answer to that question, let's talk about who's got the most amount of pressure on them heading into this contest. Is it the South Carolina Gamecocks or is it the Texas A&M Aggies? Now, if South Carolina had lost to the Kentucky Wildcats a couple weekends ago against a backup quarterback in Kaya Sheeran, who had only played, I believe, two snaps heading into that contest. If South Carolina had lost that game, I would undoubtedly say the pressure's on South Carolina because at that point, South Carolina would be sitting here at 4-2 and two right now looking a little bit better than Texas A&M from a win-loss standpoint. They would be 3-3 three and three in their own right and they would be coming back home facing the Aggies, a team that they never defeated in front of what is now a sold-out crowd in Williams-Brice Stadium coming off a bye week. At that point, South Carolina, the pressure would almost unequivocally be completely on them in my eyes. But because South Carolina won that game and because of what's happened on the flip side of the coin here with the Texas A&M Aggies, the Aggies start off the season as high as sixth in the country in the preseason polls. The Aggies are now 3-3. Three and three. Of course, they lost that game against the App State Mountaineers in Week 2. Their offense has, of course, been sputtering all season long, has had a very hard time being able to find some consistency at any point in the year. They have lost games against Alabama and Mississippi State, and they barely defeated Arkansas. Some people would argue that Arkansas should have won that game, and they defeated Miami, but they only won by a score of 17-9 to in Week 3 in Kyle Field. So, A&M has not looked pretty even getting to a 3-3 three and three record is my overall point. And when you look at this game, South Carolina, I don't want to say this is a game where they could just push all their chips to the middle of the table and say, all right, we're going to throw the kitchen sink out here at y'all because quite frankly, we're not going to really lose a whole lot in terms of maybe perception or maybe the overall expectations that people have set on us for this whole season in terms of record you know, maybe getting to 7-5 and five or 8-4, and four, we're not going to lose all of that if we just lose to the Aggies. Now, of course, if the Gamecocks won, they would gain a ton out of it, but they're not going to really lose a whole lot. If the Aggies were to lose to South Carolina, to be honest, from a national perception standpoint, it would be looked at as a serious red flag for the Aggies because, of course, everything I've mentioned about how the Gamecocks have never defeated the Aggies, all of that would get brought up. If the Aggies came out and, let's say, they scored maybe 24 or less points, that would get brought up once again. You know, Jimbo stinks at play calling. He doesn't understand how to run an offense anymore. You know, when you look at all of that, you look at the fact that it is on the road as well. And again, he had a bye week like South Carolina did to sort of reassess everything. The pressure in this game mostly resides on the Aggies' sideline. It is going to be really resting on their shoulders more so than it will be for South Carolina, besides, again, the series history between the two schools. So now, we've gotten all that out of the way. So let's say maybe that boils over some. It really affects the Aggies, and it shows up in that fashion on Saturday night, maybe through some turnovers or some big drive-killing plays like penalties and sacks given up by the Aggies. And the Gamecocks managed to win the game 
it would push them to five and two on the season, right? You look at the rest of this schedule. The next few weeks would be, quite frankly, a stretch where South Carolina could go three and zero because. You look at week nine, the Gamecocks are playing the Missouri Tigers at home. Yes, the Gamecocks have lost three straight games to the Missouri Tigers. Gamecock fans are still trying to figure out how on earth that even happened. But the point is, the Tigers have had the Gamecocks number over the last couple of years. The Tigers, however, just like the Aggies, have not looked that great so far this year. Now, they look improved on defense, at least from what I've been able to see so far this year. But it seems like this year, their issue is the offense. They can't seem to get a consistent rhythm going on that side of the ball. Tyler Beatty, of course, left after his spectacular 2021 campaign that he had. And it seems like they don't have an answer quarterback themselves. So, you know, you could see how quarterback issues are really impacting some of these other teams that the Gamecocks are having to play this year. So the point is, That's a home game, and especially if you defeat the Aggies, the Gamecocks are going to have a ton of momentum piled on the momentum they they got from the Kentucky win heading into that contest. That could be a win. Week 10 at Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, once again, is an improved team, but the Gamecocks have won like 12 or 13 straight against the Commodores, even when they've had some of the worst teams they've had in several decades during that stretch. Um, I don't really see any reason South Carolina should lose that game. I think it could be closer than I originally thought it would be before the season started. But you look at that, that should be a win. You go to Florida in Week 11. Now, obviously, that would probably be the toughest matchup in terms of those three teams when looking at the talent that that team has, the fact it is in the swamp. This would be looked as a game on Florida's side of things where they might think, you know, they could get one here. And... Obviously, Florida right now, you know, when looking at the latter half of their schedule, they're trying to figure out a way to get bowl eligible at this point, which it's funny that their fans are now just starting to figure that out, you know, actually thinking they were going to win eight games before the season started or whatnot. But you look at that game, Florida's got like one of the worst defenses in the SEC. They can't stop a nosebleed right now when looking at their rush defense. And on offense, Anthony Richardson, yeah, he's got all the physical tools that you could ever want in a quarterback. He's got a cannon of an arm, but the issue is sometimes it seems like he can't control it. He can be wildly inaccurate with his passes. He can throw a ton of interceptions. And if Florida doesn't have a consistent rushing attack on offense, it seems like sort of everything else falls apart. So there's no question South Carolina could win that game as well. So South Carolina at that point, they could be 8-2. and two. And if you told people outside of South Carolina before the season started that South Carolina would be going into week 12 at 8-2, and two, they would have slapped you upside the face probably and said, you are absolutely crazy. I mean, that's probably what they would have said. And again, I'm not saying that because I think that, you know, I predicted South Carolina would go 8-4 and four this year before the season started. I'm sure a lot of Gamecock fans felt like there's 8-9 wins on this schedule. And, you know, that could be reality here if the Gamecocks were to win this game against A&M. And you look at the final two weeks. You're playing, of course, Tennessee in Week 12, and then you play at Clemson in Week 13. Two of the best teams in college football right now. There's no disputing that. So... You look at this one against A&M, it would be huge in terms of the next few weeks for South Carolina because it could turn into a supremely long winning streak if the Gamecocks can keep playing good football, sound football on both offense and defense.
Welcome back to today's edition of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast, where we cover your team every single day in just 30 minutes. All right, so I've talked about the Texas A&M game a lot on today's show, but now let's switch things over to the men's basketball side of things. SEC Media Days was held over in Alabama just earlier this week, and with SEC Media Days, of course, there's always the media's collective predictions on how they think things are going to play out for the upcoming season. And if you haven't already seen it, I'll go ahead and pull it up for all of you real quick. But based on what the collective group over at SEC Media Days thinks, South Carolina is going to finish last in the SEC this year. So here's the list for all of you who are watching today's show on YouTube, but I'll read it off real quickly for those of you who are listening to today's show on an audio podcast app. They have Kentucky winning the SEC championship in the regular season, finishing first. They have Arkansas finishing second, Tennessee third, Auburn fourth, Bama fifth, Texas A&M sixth, Florida rounds out the top half at seventh, and then at eighth, they have LSU, ninth Ole Miss, which is a little bit surprising to me, Mississippi State at 10th, Missouri 11th, Vanderbilt 12th, Georgia 13th, and the Gamecocks, as I mentioned earlier, dead last in the conference. Now, I'm not going to look at the rest of these teams and try to make arguments for, you know, why South Carolina should have finished higher than this team, why South Carolina should finish higher than that team, why they should actually finish 10th instead of 14th. I'm not going to try to make that argument because... That would require me really having a real in-depth knowledge bank on all these other teams in the conference heading into the season. And I'm going to be honest with y'all, I don't have that. But what I do know is I know what the roster makeup is going to be for South Carolina's team heading into this season. So based on all that and the last five years in terms of how the last place team has finished out in the SEC, I can use all that to sort of try to figure out if South Carolina will finish last in the conference based on these predictions. Now, when looking at South Carolina's schedule for this upcoming season, I just offhand, just by looking at the schedule and the games, I think the Gamecocks are going to finish with a final conference record of 5-13. and 13. So I'm not expecting South Carolina to necessarily blow it out of the water. I'm not even expecting them to finish 500 like I believe they did this past season. I think that South Carolina is going to wind up getting wins against Ole Miss, Mississippi State, Vanderbilt, and Georgia, which is basically sort of that bottom group in the SEC, especially based off of these projections that were made by the media members over at SEC Media Days. And I think that they will find a way to get two wins against one of those four teams. They do play all four of those teams in two separate games this upcoming season. So why do I see five conference wins for this team? Well, experience is going to have to be built throughout the season, to say the least, for this Gamecock men's basketball team. Because South Carolina only returns five players from the roster that they had this past season. Those five guys uh, being Josh Gray, Trayvon Minot, Chico Carter Jr., Jacoby Wright, and Javon Benson. And between all five of these guys, their average stat line was 19.8 games played. 10.68 minutes per game, 3.16 points per game, 2.34 rebounds per game, and 0.64 assists per game. So not a whole lot of playing time. The playing time, quite honestly, is skewed because of Jacoby Wright's stat line from last year because he started in a bunch of games as a true freshman. And even with the playing time these guys got, there wasn't a whole lot of production that the coaching staff, at least from last year, got out of those guys. And when looking at the projected starting lineup in my eyes, this is sort of the way the lineup's going to look heading into the season. 
You'll have Mechie Johnson at one of the guard spots. Jacoby Wright or Chico Carter Jr. at that other guard spot. Hayden Brown is clearly going to be a starter. He'll probably be at that three spot in my mind. Gigi Jackson at the four. And then Josh Gray manning the fifth spot in the paint. So those are the guys that I think are going to play for Sabcon this next season. And the reason that I bring up this lineup, Jacoby Wright and Chico Carter Jr. were both on this team last year, and so was Josh Gray. Gigi Jackson, he's a 17-year-old getting ready to play college basketball for the first time ever. He's going to have some growing pains early on, okay? Y'all have got to prepare yourself for that. He's got a ton of talent, but it's going to take time like it does every single freshman, especially considering the fact he enrolled a whole year early. Hayden Brown, I think he's going to be one of those guys that's going to get progressively better as the season wears on. He is a veteran player, so he understands how he needs to probably treat the season in terms of taking care of his body in between all these games, maybe some of the stretches where they're going to have maybe three, four games in seven days. He understands how to go about all that, but he's never had to do it against SEC-level competition. So that's going to be the learning curve for Hayden Brown. Chico Carter Jr. and Jacoby Wright, neither of these guys were full-blown starters for the entirety of last season. So, you know, can one of these guys step up and take over that man? And then Michi Johnson suffered through a lot of injuries at Ohio State. Now, I asked him at the local media day session this past week how he had been feeling since his arrival at South Carolina. He credited the athletic training staff saying that they have made me a lot better. He's the healthiest he has been in a long time, and he feels like he is ready to compete at the SEC level. So, Michi Johnson, it sounds like, is good to go for this year. Doesn't have any ailments that are going to be holding him back. And again, I would be very surprised if he is not in the starting lineup. But needless to say, experience, as I mentioned earlier, will have to be built on this team throughout the course of the season in differing aspects. Now, another reason why I see five conference wins for this men's basketball team. All the other five teams who changed coaches in the SEC are getting the Gamecocks at home at some point this season. And I word it this way because three of those five teams, LSU, Missouri, and Florida, I don't know how this played out this way, but this is the scheduling that happens sometimes in the SEC. Those three teams, they all have new coaches. They are all getting the Gamecocks at home this season with no return matchup. Now, obviously, that's going to happen with some teams regardless every single year. Not saying that that shouldn't be the case. That is the way the schedule plays out. But it kind of stinks for Lamont Paris that, you know, this season, he is going to be judged against each of these other head coaches that's new to this conference, you know, whether that's fair to him or not. And he's going to have to play all of these coaches in their home arena. He's going to have to coach against those guys on the road. And he's not going to get all these guys to return for a trip to Colonial Life to get a chance to play against them or coach against them on South Carolina's home court. So I just want to say, do not hold that against Lamont Paris. If, say, they go to Missouri, they don't win that game. Or if they go to LSU and they don't win that game. Don't hold that against him because that's not fair to him. He is trying to get to know a whole new set of players. It is an entire new environment for him going from the Big South or the Southern Conference up to the SEC. So there's going to be learning curves for everybody. And it is, of course, the SEC and men's basketball is one of the best conferences now in that sport. So it is going to be a long, arduous year Either way for the Gamecocks, I see five conference wins. Now, when looking back at how teams have performed in the past few seasons in the SEC, the past five years minus the COVID year, so going back to the 2016-2017 season, 
The average amount of wins that the last place team got in this conference was 2.2 wins. So if you look at it from that aspect, there's a pretty good chance South Carolina is not finishing last in the SEC this year. And if you needed to get a prediction from me on, you know, who I think could finish last, well, I would look at Ole Miss. I know that they had a lot of injuries that they dealt with this past year, but Ole Miss under Kermit Davis was so good at the beginning, and it just seems like there's been some slow regression at that spot in the last couple of years. I know the COVID year, obviously, you can't really control that. That was a whole, you know, different situation. But this past year, for them to do as bad as they did, that's a bit alarming to me if I'm someone that's covering Ole Miss or is a fan of the Ole Miss Rebels. And then you look at Georgia. Yeah, they got Mike White from Florida, but Mike White hasn't really done a whole lot in terms of, you know, being able to take his team over the hump, get them to the next level. Georgia, I think, won like six, seven games total this past season. Yes, Mike White's probably going to make them better from the jump, but to say that they won't finish last, I do think that's a bit of a stretch. I think that they're giving Georgia the benefit of the doubt because Mike White's been a coach in the SEC for at least, you know, the last six, seven, eight years, and Lamont Paris is going into his first year. That's probably their reasoning behind that. But if I had to pick two teams overall, those are the two teams I would pick. So, what do you think about South Carolina being predicted to finish last in the SEC in men's basketball? Do y'all think that South Carolina's going to finish higher than that spot? And if you do, which spot do you think they'll finish at? How many conference wins do you think they could get? And also, in terms of the South Carolina-Texas A&M football game this upcoming Saturday night, what do you think a win would do for South Carolina? And if the Gamecocks want to get off to a fast start, how do you think they need to do it? I want to hear all of y'all's thoughts, as always, down below in the comments section if you're watching today's show on YouTube. But of course, if you're listening to today's show on an audio podcast app, wherever you get your podcast daily, you can also shoot me a direct message on Twitter at a line underscore SC, and I'll try to respond to any replies or comments that you have as quickly as I see them. And of course, if you've enjoyed the Locked On Gamecocks podcast and you want to get more news on the entire SEC conference, be sure to go check out Chris Gordy over on Locked On SEC, where he covers the entire SEC conference in just 30 minutes with the help and assistance of the local team experts of Locked On. So be sure to make Locked On SEC your second listen after, of course, the Locked On Gamecocks podcast. But with that being said, y'all, that does it for me on today's show. Have a great rest of your Friday and a fantastic weekend. Be safe for those of you who are going to the football game on Saturday night. And I'll catch y'all on the next show of the Locked On Gamecocks podcast.